So welcome in to the week nine version of the Backroads podcast. Uh, we're here to check out everything that goes on in Class 1A, whether it's six-man football, volleyball, cross-country, you name it, we've got it. Lots of football action to talk about, as well as regional cross-country and volleyball playoffs kicking off before we know it. So let's get this thing started. I'm Craig Scree with Happy Sports Network and PressPassports.com. And I'm Bobby Brown with Texas 1A Fan. Well, Craig, this is a wild and crazy week. Lots of people off, and then we had some great games that were surprising. Yes, we we definitely did. I I think some games that people did not expect the uh, outcome of, games that were closer than people expected. Um, And then, end of the day, when you really look at it, the top ten on both uh, Division One and Division Two held court, and they took care of business. And in the end, that that is what you want to do. So yeah, that's true. But they took care of business. But some of the scores were a little surprising. Uh, they they were very, very surprising, and I can't wait to talk about that. But before we do that, we have to uh, start this uh, podcast out like we do every week, and that is to bring in a uh, coaching interview. We got a special one this week. Well, definitely. We better get to it. Well, it's time to get to another coaching interview here on the Backroads podcast, and we've got one of the deans of six-man football. And, Coach, I don't know if you – Felt like you'd be in this profession long enough that people would call you one of the deans of six-man football, but that is Terry Crawford, the head coach over at Abbott. Coach, welcome in. Appreciate it. Deans, that's just a, that's a polite way of saying I'm an old fart, right? <laughs> well, we try to be real polite on this show, you know. <laughs> Sometimes well, that doesn't work out, though. <laughs> <laughs> you panhandle guys, you're always polite. Yeah, you know, we, we try anyway. <laughs> Coach, your team having a great season this year. And uh, before we talk about them, and there is so much to talk about with, with those Panthers, but I want to ask you something. Your team makes the state finals last year. Obviously, you lost to Westbrook, but was there anything you took from that game with this team because you had so many players coming back that you feel like you could build upon and learn from heading into this year? I think you learn every time you step on the field. If you're not, then you're you're not doing your job. So, yeah, there was a lot of things we learned from that. You know, uh, uh, we always try to prepare our kids to be successful at the ultimate level, and the ultimate level is AT&T. Uh, the first lesson I learned is there's no way you can prepare your kids to play in that environment. Uh, they're going to be in awe when they walk into that building, no matter what you do. I think you saw a Westbrook team that was a little bit more relaxed um, and we're, you know, knew what to expect. So in that regards, the only way I can prepare a team for that is, is we go back. Um, the, the next thing is they put it to us, you know, they, they shut down a, a really good offense and, uh, we can sit here and we can say that that was because we were missing a piece of the puzzle. But the reality of it was, is that they out game planned us, you know, they beat our coaching staff, specifically me. They had a defensive game plan that just, uh, tore us to shreds. So, uh, if we're, you know, you tuck that back into memory and you, you make notes and you try to have a better game plan to, to, uh, you know, overcome that, that if you're in that situation again. When you look at this team, Riley Sestala, Joy Pavelka, Mason Hale, we can go on and on. Is this something that you saw coming in Abbott years ago as those young men were coming up and you went, that's something special sitting right there? This team played peewee football together in Abbott. They all stayed together. Uh, they went through a run where they didn't lose a game for like two or three years. 
they went unscored on. So obviously you look down there and you go, huh, this has got the makings of something really good. But, you know, you never know what uh, the years are going to do. You, you hope it stays together. Obviously that class is extremely athletical, uh, athletic, and, and uh, you know, we, we were pretty optimistic about it. The thing you worry about with a group like that is there's so many alphas in that group. I mean, there are so many that are so talented. How do you, how do you keep the chemistry together? And that's really uh, where our focus was trying to keep, you know, trying to keep the chemistry good on in, in that group. And they've done an outstanding job of that. You talked about missing one of those players. Obviously that was Riley Sistala with the injury last year. Did you see a, a renewed hunger in him and getting ready for this year and, and hoping that that a, a obviously would not happen, but B really wanting to prove exactly who he was. Yeah, it definitely was. And I think early on what we saw with Riley is there was a Riley wanted to do too much. I think, you know, there was that, that feeling of, you know, I wasn't there in the end for my team. And so I got to do more. Uh, and we just kind of had to settle him down a little bit and make him realize that you don't have to carry this football team. You know, you're just a you're you're a piece of the puzzle. You're a very important piece of the puzzle, but allow those around you to help you out and and uh, and and carry their load, so to speak. So, um, you know, uh, Riley. The, the unique thing about Riley is a lot of people may not know this. Riley's a very talented baseball player. Uh, extremely talented. In fact, I believe he can play at the next level uh, in baseball. And I asked him during the season, trying to prove a point after practice one day, Riley, what's your favorite sport? And he said, football. And it kind of caught me off guard a little bit. And I thought, really? Because he's so, so good at baseball. So, you know, he's got a passion. He he really loves the game. And, and I think that shows uh, on Friday nights. When we talk about this team and we talked about all those names, is there a player that you think gets overlooked that is a key part of what the Panthers are doing this year? Oh, there's, there's so many, um, you, you know, we stress on a, on a daily basis that this is, this is about the team. It's not about any one individual. Um, you know, obviously the big stat guys st stand out, you know, Mason Hill and, and Riley the other night were dropping absolute dimes. I'm telling you, uh, I think we had a first, uh, in my tenure here, we had 200 yard passers. We had a hundred yard receiver. Um, we, we had 511 yards of total offense in, in a three quarter game. And we almost passed for more yards than we ran for. So there's a lot of pieces of that puzzle in there. Those guys are the big numbers, big stats guys. You know, everybody's going to talk about Joey. Everybody's going to talk about Mason and Riley. But what about Paxton Pashoski, who plays a split in for us, um, who does nothing but, you know, catch the balls that are thrown to him. And he's a kicker. His numbers are a little bit down in kicking this year because he's he's playing both sides of the ball now. Um, we, we have a center right now, but uh, we have a freshman. We started the year with, with, um, uh, Braden Pashoski playing there, senior force who really hadn't had a lot of playing time in the past. Um, uh, we then discovered that we had a freshman that could play pretty good. So Braden, um, went to the defensive side of the ball. The freshman was playing first play of the pull game. He gets hurt, uh, Jacob Rocket. Uh, but Braden steps right back in, unsung hero. You know, we don't talk about uh, those type of games. Yes, and then Brady Schultz is a senior. It's just all about business. In fact, Brady does not want the limelight, but Brady defensively this year is doing some things that is making Joey even better. 
uh, in the Aquila game, he lived in the backfield because he's such a good reader. So, you know, it's it's about the entire team, and it's really hard for me to talk about individuals. So I let y'all talk about it. But our 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 guys understand uh, that it's 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 team based. Oh well, I have talked to you before, and you know we have called Riley the choir boy for some time now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> how does he feel about that name? I don't think he really understands it. You know, uh, Riley is just like any other uh, junior in high school, male <laughs> junior in high school. Riley's really got a great heart. He really does. Um, I watch him around my grandsons, uh, and he's really a, a young man that, you know, um, I, I want them to emulate. Uh, he's not perfect by any means, but his heart is extremely, extremely good. I, I make the comparison to when my son was running around. We had guys on our team like Dale Pashoski, who who is at Blackwell, and I wanted my son to grow up and be like Dale. And I, I look at like Riley. Um, I'm glad my grandkids don't know everything that goes on in the lives of these high school boys, but they they have such good hearts. These these are great, great, great kids who want to do the right thing. They're just, you know, the prefrontal cortex doesn't allow them always to do the right thing. Well, you know, <laughs> I think that that's across the board though, isn't it? <laughs> we oh, all absolutely. remember, we all remember those days. Uh, one thing that I was very impressed with, I think that y'all were the only team that has ever done this is when I came and covered y'all last year, when you played Borden County and Strawn, every single kid, came and told me thank you for coming that was incredible it really was and you know we're not supposed to have favorites but I sure do like those Abbott Panthers well you know we again we just appreciate the coverage you know this is a game that uh um, y'all do an extremely good job of covering and we we want those those young men to understand that you know it's important to thank those people that build build us up Oh, that was very nice, and I really appreciated it. It made me feel really happy. Hey, Coach, so let me ask something. As as the years have gone on as coaching, did you ever think when you got to the end that you would finish this thing off with a team as stacked as what you've got now? I don't know. I probably really – I never thought about the end until the end snuck up on me. My wife asked me today – I'm. Um, uh, we, we were actually coming back from getting supper tonight and she said, are you sure? You sure you don't want to wait till next year? You know, I mean, you got that good group. It's going to be seniors, you know, and I think everybody thinks I'm crazy. And I told her there's always going to be a senior group that's special. It's never going to be easy to walk away and it's not going to be easy to walk away now. But, um, I wanted to, you know, leave this place better than I found it. Um, and I wanted to leave it, you know, I don't want to walk away from here when it's down and somebody else have to come in. And so, um, it's just time it's time and it's going to be real difficult next year. I'm going to miss these kids, but the good thing is, is I'm still going to live in Abbott. Uh, I'm still going to harass the coach's office quite a bit. Um, (laughs) and, uh, uh, so, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be a tough transition, but, um, it's one that, that needs to be made. As someone who's been so successful as you have been, if I'm a young coach, what is some advice you would give me uh, as I started my career in six-man football? Build a culture. Build a culture. It's, folks. It's it become it's become cliche in our you know in our 
profession to use that word, but the reality of it is, is, is we've built a culture and habit. Um, it started a long time ago when I was young and naive and didn't understand. And I went through some hard times, but I finally realized that, um, you got to build a culture. And when you're in a six man school, it's a little bit different because, you know, I talked to Randy Jackson's a good friend at, at Greenville now who, uh, wrote a couple of books on culture and, you know, here's a guy that's building it just in a football program at a 5A or a 6A. That doesn't work in a small school. You better build a culture that goes across every sport. And that's what we've done. I'm, I'm proud of that. Um, you know, we, we have one of the greatest uh, performances in school history last year and making it to the state game. In basketball, we were in the regional finals. First time it's, it's happened that I know of in my tenure. Um, and and then we won a state championship in baseball, and that's because of the culture that goes across uh, our program. Uh, and every coach believes in every program. And a lot of times, I, I watch these small schools, and they get uh, a little bit selfish. But you look at all the small schools that are successful; they're not successful just in one sport. They're successful in all sports because their coaches are unified, and they built a culture of, of things that are more important than just winning a game. Obviously, you've seen uh, the attitudes and and the makeup of kids change over the years as you've been coaching. How difficult is it to change what you've done in the past to kind of fit the mold of the of the characters and the kids that you coach uh, as you move forward? Yeah, it, it's definitely been an adjustment. Um, you know, I've been here a long time, and so now I'm coaching the kids that I've coached. Um, and, and those guys come back and tell me a lot of times, coach, you've gotten soft. <laughs> and, uh, I try to explain to them that you have to adjust a little bit. We, we're not, we're not, these are not the same type of kids that we had, uh, 26 years ago when I started coaching football here. Um, and so you, you have to, you have to coach them a little bit differently. And some people see that as soft. It's not soft. It's just, I have the same expectations. It's just how do you get to those expectations? Um, the fun thing is, is a lot of those guys that we coached really, really hard early, they're now starting to get kids in the program. So it makes it fun because you can push them a little bit extra um, because they know what 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 pays off from that. So um, you better adjust. If you don't adjust in this business uh, and adapt, um, you, you're not going to get the outcome. So if I had to get a little bit softer in order to get the same outcome, that's great. You know, Coach C, Kyle, my son, got a text from one of our former players uh, last year um, who's at Sagu right now trying to play football. And he texted and he said, hey, I made the travel squad for the rest of the year. And the reason why is we had a bunch of people in our position that couldn't get up and get to a team meeting in the morning. And he said, I just want to thank you for for instilling that in into me it's given me an opportunity to be successful that's what our program's about that we're trying to allow them to go on to you know when our kids apply for to get into college it's easy to say hey these kids are going to be successful because they've got the intangibles they know what they need to do for a lot of our kids they go off to college and they go wow all i got to do is be a student now this is great and they really excel so um, super, super proud of them for that. I love that. And that's uh, one of the reasons why I hire six man kids in my office is because I know they have work ethic 
I know they're going to show up and I know they're going to be very polite and respectful and they're going to do their job correctly. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, I grew up in a large community. I grew up in Plano. And when I first got in the business, a lot of my friends told me hey, you don't want your kid to go to a small school. And I'm like, eh. you know, I, I know what they're saying because I know the benefits of a large school, but I know the benefits of the small school. And it just came down to there's nothing better than the small community. You know, mm -hmm. people sometimes complain. Everybody knows your business, but that's kind of what makes it special, you know. We hold each other accountable. We're always there uh, for each other, and and uh, those those are the the principles that I want to live my life by: to be held accountable and to be there to help others. And that's what we do in these small communities. It definitely is, Coach Crawford. We we can't thank you enough for joining us this evening. Uh, you know, best of luck to your Panthers going forward this season, and and we don't want to uh, get it here too soon, but. Best of luck in retirement as you move forward. You become friends with both Bobby and I, and we really do appreciate the friendship and everything that you've done for us uh, over the years. Well, I appreciate it, guys. I appreciate the friendship that I've developed with with y'all, and uh, good luck on the rest of the season and coverage. I know it gets tough sometimes, but hey, you're always welcome in Abbott, Texas. Well, I'm going to see you this weekend, so it'll right. be my first visit to Abbott, and I'm very excited. Good. Who who would have thought that Abbott and Penelope would be a district championship game? That's crazy. You know, I know. I know. It Absolutely is. Absolutely crazy. Story behind the story is my longtime defensive coordinator is still over there, Brian Cooper, who uh, we lost in a riff here and uh, still lives in this community, still a good friend of mine. And it just kills me that, you know, our program finally had the success after he was gone and we've tried to get him back, but it's just, it's really hard. But, uh, it's always hard to look across the field at him and know that we're having all this success and he helped me build it and he's not here. So there's a story behind the, behind the game for you. So. That's incredible. Well, thank you so much coach. And Absolutely. I will see you Friday. Sounds good. Thank y'all. Thanks coach. Take care. Well, Bobby, I know coach Crawford is one of your very, very favorites. And as you said, you, you don't want to play favorites, but, uh, Oftentimes in this business, it's easy to kind of, uh, I would say, quietly root for certain teams if you have a really good connection with a coach and they're just good people. Yeah, he's definitely such a good guy. I mean, he's always been friendly. Even when I didn't know him, he was very polite and friendly and he just talked to me like he'd known me for a long time. So, um, you know, I appreciate that. And I like to talk to coaches and and. I like to get them to know them personally, not just because I cover their team, but it just makes it, uh, you know, I'm from a six man community. You cover a six man community. You know how it is. We like to converse. We like to get to know each other. Well, we do. Now, I, I will tell you that uh, if, if you go out there and look at some of my testing scores, it tells you I'm a loner, which I think I really am, Bobby. But uh... <laughs> oh, my gosh, you are not a loner. I don't it, know it why funny. you, why do you have that in your head? I don't get that. Everywhere, we I, go, that, if I'm near you, you know, everybody at the place. So how in the world does that make you a loner? That's like that's, me that's, saying I'm an introvert. That, 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 that's just, that's just the way it works, Bobby. Just the way it works. No, that's, <laughs> no, no, sir. Sorry. I'm not going to let you get away with that. <laughs> 
Well, it's great to catch up with Coach, Coach Crawford. And let's talk about his Abbott Panthers, ranked number four in the state. They defeat Coolidge last week, the Yellow Jackets, 64-14. Riley Sestala, who we talked a lot about, 251 yards on the ground, three touchdowns, five of five through the air, 126 yards passing and two touchdowns. Part of that uh, two-combo passing for over 100 yards. Mason Hale, six of seven, 114 and four touchdowns. So combined, Hale and Sestala go 11 of 12 for 240 yards and six touchdowns in this ballgame. Incredible. And the big man, Joy Pavelka, five receptions, 101 yards, and three touchdowns. Abbott with a, a solid win there over the Yellow Jackets, 64 to 14. You know, although we did talk about the, the big three, it's what I like to call them. When I watched them play against uh, Borden County earlier this season, they have a packed team full of wonderful players. It's just not those three. Yes, they may get the yardage or the tackles or whatever, and they are very impressive players, but they have a whole host of other teammates that surround them. And I'm telling you, they do play very, very well as a team. And uh, I was extremely impressed. I mean, there were some things that I, I was looking up the, the roster thinking, who is that? Wow, that was a great tackle. Or, oh, that was a great block. And it wasn't the usual suspects. So, you know, shout out to the Panthers all playing as a team. And Coolidge, you know, they're they're not they're not bad. They're pretty good this year. Yeah, no, so that that to me was a solid win there for the Panthers. Hard to believe they are ranked number four when you look at how much they brought back from last year's uh, state title appearance. But it also tells you how much talent is out there. And let's get to that there in Division One. Number one, Knox City, all over Northside, which was interesting because Northside coming into this rec came into this ball game with a six and one record, but Knox City uh, defeats them sixty-two to nothing. Bryson Callaway, four of four, eighty-six yards passing, three touchdowns. Cameron Hernandez, three carries, forty-one yards, and a score. Knox City only ran nine offensive plays in this ball game. They scored on five of those nine. They also had a kickoff return for a touchdown and two defensive touchdowns while her holding Northside to negative 40 yards of total offense. That is what you call domination. I think there's probably another word for it, but I'm going to go with domination for 10, Alex. Okay, we, we <laughs> like it. I had to look at the stats multiple times to make sure I was repeating that correctly, but that that is what we came up with. So uh, an impressive night there for the Greyhounds. Number two, Westbrook. Uh, beat Hermley 76 to 30. Yes, somebody actually scored on Westbrook finally. And Keegan took him past the halftime. Exactly. <laughs> Keegan Gilbreth, 202 yards rushing, six touchdowns. Grayson Jeffrey, 96 yards on the ground and four touchdowns. For Hermley, Tyson Digby was eight of 20 for 105 yards and two touchdowns. And how about the ball game for Hunter Simpson? A rushing touchdown, a receiving touchdown, and a kickoff return for a touchdown. Hermley really didn't get anything on the ground. Only had a couple of yards rushing, but did go over 100 yards passing. Uh, and that was the key in this one. And, you know, it, it, it's one of those where I think maybe Hermley surprised the Wildcats a little bit. And then uh, all of a sudden, I'm sure Homer Matlock woke him up over there and said, gentlemen, it's time to get business taken care of. <laughs> I think you're right. But, you know, I, yeah, of course, I'm going to say go Hermley because my nephew plays there. You know, I'm going to get that. I'm not going to lie about that. Um, but I know how good Westbrook is. And 
and I was kind of nervous about this game because, you know, Westbrook is a very physical team. And if you go in there and you're not ready for it, you could come out with some injuries. And I, you know, Hermley came out almost unscathed. I think they had one in, injury, but he's going to be good. Hermley's firing on all cylinders and they put up 30 points. I don't think Westbrook was uh, prepared at the first for their passing game. But like you said, Homer's over there and he's adjusting throughout the game. And Hermley took it at him and Westbrook. You know, it it hurt them for a minute, <laughs> but then they got back in it. But that I thought that was pretty impressive because no, it, I, I looked. Okay, I obviously pulled the Lehman, but I looked back at all the scores, and the only team that scored thirty points on them is Knox City, and they beat them the first week, which, which I believe, pushed this Westbrook Wildcat freight train. <laughs> onto the tracks, but that's just me. (laughs) I would agree with you. Uh, Number three, Gordon over Lingleville, 61 to nothing. Striker Reed in this one, 76 yards rushing on only three carries, two touchdowns. Riley Reed had a rushing touchdown, a punt return touchdown, and a pick six touchdown. They held the Cardinals to negative 21 total yards, minus 47 yards in rushing. That seems to be the theme of the year bobby is these incredible negative numbers that these defenses are throwing at these offenses and it's just it's mind-boggling when you really look at it it really is but it makes me happy because i'm so defensive minded so but you're right i mean we've done this podcast what is this the third year yes you know the last two years we haven't seen that many negative yardage games i haven't seen that ever i don't think we, we've had a lot this year. Number five, white, white face all over Wellman Union, 68 to 20. It was number seven, Rankin, with a pretty easy win over Grady, 53 to eight. Grady's been playing well, so that's a good win there for Rankin. Number eight, Happy found out that rivalries go really, really deep. Uh, they had to dig deep to take out Nazareth, 46 to 30. Nazareth was up 30 to 24 headed to the fourth quarter, but a pick six from Cole Gibson from 36 yards out that pretty much started that quarter. And then two straight fumbles from the Swiss was the difference. Jackson Stoker, 106 yards rushing and a touchdown. Uh, Gibson with that pick six. And then Noy War is six of 10, 110 yards and a touchdown. Zane Schulte, the freshman spread back two touchdowns for the Swifts. This game, Bobby, I'm, I'm telling you, it's it's one of those games where you you better pay attention when they're rivalry games, because no matter how good you think you are, your rival is going to give you everything you want and then some. Yes, they're going to throw it all at you. I saw that score, and uh, Connor texted me, and I said, what in the world is going on? And he said, the rivalry is is there. And so, yeah, if you're not ready for that, it's going to jump up and pop you in the mouth real quick. Yeah, it definitely will. Number nine, Borden County, 62, Sands, six. And then check out this game. Maybe one of the best games of the week, if not the best one. Number 10, Miami, and Follett doing battle in Miami. We knew this would likely be for the District of One title, the winner of this one. Miami wins this one 36-30, and here's how this one played out. The two teams were tied uh, with less than uh, three minutes to go in the ball game when Miami Held Follett deep in their own, ter- deep in Miami's territory 
at the 16-yard uh, line on a fourth down and seven. Hayden Thompson comes flying up from his linebacker position and uh, takes out Wyatt Terrell off his feet. Net very next play with 2.52 to go in the ballgame. Thompson rolls to his left and finds a wide old open. Brecken early. Early does a little uh, juke and jive down the field and takes it to the house for 64 yards and the score. And then uh, Follett comes back down, gets inside Miami territory. But Luke Wheeler forces a fumble on uh, the Follett running back, and that was the difference in this one. Thompson, 10 of 12, 153 yards and, and ten uh, three touchdowns, 16 carries, 114 yards rushing, 19 tackles in this one. Four Good of those Lord. tackles were lost, three passes defensed, and that fumble recovery. And then Wheeler, 46 yards rushing, a couple of scores, and a 10 tackles. An absolute, really, really good ball game here between Miami and Follett. Good Lord. Hayden Thompson became Superman. 19 <laughs> tackles and then all those yards and TDs. Wow. Yeah. Impressive there for the Warriors. Get this stat. That is only the third time Miami has beaten Follett in the last 25 years. Going back really? to like 98. Really? <laughs> so, wow you know there was some celebration going on in miami oh you you know there definitely was so let's look at the division one uh top 10 let's take a look at the division two top 10 we'll start at the top benjamin no problem with harold 69 to 6 the number one mustangs continue to roll on Jayton, they take care of motley county 60 to 14 the number two ranked jaybirds continue to fly high Number five, Richland Springs, no problem with Brooke Smith, 68 to nothing. It was number six, Amherst, 69, Hart, 32. That, number score, seven, surprised, that score surprised me. Now, I'm with you. I, I thought Hart played with them a little bit closer um, than, than I expected. I don't have any details on that one, so it, it's hard to tell. But just looking at the score, that, that was a surprising one. It went all four quarters because it's only a 37-point difference. Yeah, we're going to have to talk to someone and find out about that game i'm with you number seven whit harold uh in a non-district play it's hard to believe this deep in the year but uh an opening because last buddy uh was unable to fill the football team this year so they played the independent outlaw booker kiowas and whit harold wins this one 52 to 6 jack griffin 6 and 9 174 yards and three touchdowns Raiden Potter, uh, 78 yards rushing and two scores. Sorry, 78 yards receiving and two scores. Chase Nelson for the Kiowas, 10 to 25 through the air for only 80 yards. And Tristan Nelson, 67 yards rushing. Number eight, Cherokee. Boy, they had their hands full with the Rochelle Hornets. They win this one 84 to 72 in what probably was the highest scoring game of the week. Oh, yes. Dizzy said it was just back and forth all night. I was also watching that score. Uh, we covered it. and You know, Cherokee, Rochelle, Richland Springs, all those three, they're not very far from each other. It's a triangle rivalry is what it is. And it's not just two. There's three of them. You can be sure in that district that those three are going to play their hearts out anytime they play each other. Well, they definitely did in this one. 84 to 70, 72, uh, the Indians win this one. And then finally, number 10, Silverton. No problem with Derizette. 55 to nothing. Derizette lost a player early in this ballgame to injury. So both teams finished this one out with five players on each side. They played almost an entire half with only five players. So they had not six-man football, but five-man football. What do you think about that, Bobby? Well, I think that they probably just wanted to play, and I think that's very admirable. 
I love that it, they did that. Yes. Uh, some other scores around the state that we've got to news and notes on. Van Horn over Marfa, 46 to nothing. Cy Garcia. Hey, Cy Garcia is quietly really, really good. And I think uh, people lose sight of that. His stats every week are amazing. 19 carries, 215 yards, two touchdowns. Gabriel Gonzalez, 82 yards on the ground and three scores. And for the Shorthorns, Derek Campos, 28 carries, 146 yards. For the Highland Hornets, they take out Rotan, the Yellowhammers. We got to get Rotan in there because I just like saying Yellowhammers. They win this one a 46 to nothing. Cooper Bowen. Three carries, 100 yards, two touchdowns, and I'm going to mess this last name up, Kaysen, and I apologize, but I'm going to say Kaysen Weba. Does that sound right to you, Bobby? Uh, let's go with it. All right, we'll go with it, and I'm sure somebody will go, you're an idiot, sir, but uh, that's okay. <laughs> We're used to that. He had a 61-yard receiving touchdown, a 44-yard fumble recovery score for a touchdown, so a great game there from Kaysen. And then Bubba Byrne, and that is a six-man name for you. Bubba Byrne, a 62-yard receiving touchdown as Highland wins 46 to nothing. Union Hill all over St. Joe, 68 to 22. Devin Espinosa doing what he does. 165 yards rushing, three touchdowns. EJ Mowry, 67 yards rushing and two touchdowns. And Logan Dunn, two for two through the air, 42 uh, yards passing and a touchdown and a 48-yard kickoff return for a score. McLean over White Deer, 32-15. to 15. This game, I think, was a lot closer than people expected, but Davin Hex, Brody Weathers, both back for White Deer. We know with all of their guys out there, the Dirty Dozen was playing pretty well this season. So uh, that's uh, really a, a, a good job there from White Deer. In that loss, Hex had 72 yards rushing and a score. Brody Weathers, 11 of 26 through the air and uh, 71 yards. May Sets up a showdown next week in their district as they take out Santa Ana 51 to 6. Braden Steele 157 yards rushing on three carries. Yeah, that's a lot. That is a lot. Two of those three goes for a score. He was also two of two through the air, 77 yards and two touchdowns. Then he sat down and said, Dad, I'm done for the night. I've done my, my due diligence. Let's move on. Ben Harrell, his teammate, three carries, 78 yards, two touchdowns, and a receiving touchdown. How about the Crest Kangaroos? The Kangaroos with another nail-biting victory, 50-48. to 48. They've come out of nowhere. They are 3-0 and in district action. I think I've got it calculated right. The Kangaroos have already punched their ticket to the playoffs, being 3-0, and because they got a bye week coming up uh, uh, this coming week. Cole Todd, three of six through the air, 88 yards passing. 160 yards on the ground and three touchdowns. Jaleel Baker, 18 carries, 167 yards and four scores. And a Callan Teeple, two receptions, 58 yards and six tackles, plus a pick six in this one. And the Kangaroos making their fans, uh, you know, maybe need some antacids or something with all these late game victories, but they win this one 50 to 48. You know what? I bet their I bet their fans wouldn't have it any other way. Oh, you know it. No, they would not. As long as it's a victory, they're all for it. <laughs> Claude, in what I thought was a bit of a surprise, they really hammered Will Dorado, 70-24. to 24. The Mustangs are kind of a Jekyll and Hyde team, Bobby, because one week I'm like, okay, they're going to win this one, and then they lose it. The next week I'm like, okay, it's going to be a close game, and they hammered their opponent. So I don't know what to expect out of the Mustangs, but the good Claude Mustangs showed up Friday night. Uh, and they beat Will Dorado 70-24. to 24. Uh, Blue Washington, 
His first name is actually Sterling, by the way. Six receptions, 61 yards, and two touchdowns. Uh, Aiden Woodard back out there for them. Still a little banged up, but 11 carries, 98 yards, a touchdown, and four tackles. Uh, one of the games that uh, we talked to Coach Crawford about uh, off-record, Penelope beats Aquila 44-42, to which sets up a big district showdown next week between the Panthers and Penelope for a district title. I know. That's going to be crazy. And I wasn't expecting that at all when I had already, you know, I'd already planned my trip out to Abbott. So that's going to be a good one. I mean, we know Aquila, they lost one of their best players, um, Hagen Williams. Um, I know they're probably reeling for that, but you can't take anything away from Penelope. Those Wolverines they come out of nowhere. They did. Uh, Balmeray and Coach Jones, uh, he picks up his 747,000th victory. Oh, no, sorry. It's probably 300 and something. Uh, 50 to 36 over Sierra Blanca. Avalon, speaking of Jekyll and Hyde teams, you don't know what you're getting from Avalon each week either. This time, Milford beats them 68 to 32. So Avalon is, they've played some teams tight and then they fall, they win some. You just never know, Bobby. That's the joys of six man football. Uh, Newcastle over Strawn, 74 to 24. The Bobcats quietly playing some really good football. And I'm sure uh, Coach Archer there is like, just shut up and move on. But uh, you know, <laughs> he's like, stop talking about us. <laughs> Bobcats, I, I think they're going to surprise some folks in the playoffs. I think they are too. Um, and one thing that I want to talk about um, with Strawn is they had a young man who's a junior and um, he got hit really hard and they have found he has some some medical issues and that hit um, actually probably saved his life wow. um, because they they found something they had to operate. So if you can go out, Coach Lee has put out a GoFundMe for the family because it was a very extensive surgery and um, pray for this young man. I don't think anybody was expecting that in Strawn, Texas. Uh, I know we definitely weren't, and we absolutely hate that for the young man. But if you're a praying person, please keep him in your prayers. Most definitely. Thoughts and prayers from the entire Texas 1A community going out to Strawn. A couple other scores to look at real quick. Goldberg over Forsberg, 66-30. to 30. Uh, Erion County beats Robert Lee, 56-36. to 36. And Lorraine... Gets a victory over Blackwell, 71-52. to 52. So there's kind of a look at uh, some of the uh, scores, sights, sounds that we saw across the uh, great state of Texas in six-man football. And speaking of great things, I know you've got some notes here, Bobby, and it has to do with chain gangs, which we initially brought up last week. And I just – I'm going to turn it over to you because I know you wrote these out, but uh, just some incredible notes when you look at it. Oh, it is. You know, and I'm going to have to say – uh, Mr. Billy James from Gordon, he brought this up. He said, you know, I think they need to be recognized. And I totally agree because there's some great ones out there. So let's go with Gordon. There's Jack Coleman and he started in high school and he was pulling chains from 1964 to 2022. Billy James started in junior high and he was on the chains from 1980 to 2021 and now he's on the clip he quickly told me that he saved 50 cents on the gate fee to get into the game and he got a free drink at the half moving on dale miller 
2007 to present. He started on the stake and now is on the down box. Jimmy Gowen, 2012 to 2023. He was the clip and now he's the stake. And David Guthrie, he started this year in 2023 and he's on the stake. So obviously there are positions and and chain gangs really take those very seriously. Um, in O'Donnell, man, these guys got some years racked up. Um, I talked to him. I know one of them very well. His name's Mark Roy. He's one of my Little League umpires. Um, yes, folks, I do Little League as well. That's a whole other story we're not going to go into. But <laughs> <laughs> O'Donnell, we've got Eric Nava. He's on the down box. He's been there six years. Uh, Mark Roy, he's the crew chief. He's been doing it for 20 years. Liberto Castillo, he's been on the chains for one year. The rookie then. He is, he is, but he's learning from some really seasoned individuals. So we have Armando Cowboy Arguello. He's on the chains. He's been doing it for 18 years. And then Rogelio Lubano, I hope I said this right, Lubano. He's on the chains and he's been doing it for 16 years. So I asked them very nicely while I was at O'Donnell this week to let me take a picture. And so I'm going to put that on the Backroads podcast webpage. And uh, they happily pose. They even have shirts that are black and gold. And they got like, I, I, I assume there's like symbols for their positions. And they've got those on their shirts. It's the, really the coolest thing in the world. You just got to see it. That's awesome. So if any of you got a chain gang and you want them to get a shout out, hey, where are your folks? Just send it in to Texas1A at gmail.com. That's awesome. And it is really cool. Those chain gangs are important because, A, you need somebody that's going to show up and be reliable every week. And sometimes that can be tough uh, in in communities, getting people to do that. But as games become more and more, uh, you know, deep in the ball game, a lot of times that can be really, really important is to make sure that they're doing the job right. So really cool to see that. And and I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm glad uh, Mr. James pointed that out and we were able to honor them. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm glad too. We like to honor everybody in the six man community. Yes, we do this to cover the kids in small towns, but as you know, Craig, you and I have been around six man communities almost our whole life and, and they're really a special place and I, I just love them and I want to make sure we shine a spotlight on everything that happens there. Well, speaking of special spotlights, that's what our good buddy Kyler Pepper did. And uh, when we say special, I, I'm not quite sure where we're going to, uh, how we're going to determine that, but uh, he went straight Lehman on us and uh, did some research. And so why don't you share that with the folks? Oh yeah. I remember we were talking about Throckmorton playing three, eighteen last week. And Kyler said he remembered something like that from last year. So he went and searched it up. Like I like you said, he did. He went straight Lehman. I, I, we're all taking a page out of Lehman's book here lately, aren't we, Craig? Well, so, we are. You know, <laughs> hey, it's easy. It's not easy. No, it is not easy. I don't know why I even said that. But he found where Pete Christie covered Wilson, who played two A Sudan JV in 2022. Get this. This is kind of funky. 
When Wilson had the ball, they played six man. When Sudan JV had the ball, they played eight man. And Wilson <laughs> won that game 13 to seven. And that very, was very, last year. That is crazy. Six man on when you've got the ball, eight man when they've got the ball. Yep. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So that shout out to Kyler for, for going Lehman on us. Maybe it, it can be Kyler Lehman Pepper. <laughs> <laughs> He's probably going to hurt well, me for that one. <laughs> this is true, but I will take Kyler's one of the uh, young up-and-comers when it comes to broadcasters out there. He does a really good job there on the uh, Klondike Cougar Network. And so if you ever want to listen in to Klondike, Kyler does a great job there. Yeah, they do. Him and old Kyle Brown. And, you know, there are some really, really good broadcasters out there. And we love to give them a shout out, even if they're not ours. You know, it's a great way for grandparents and uh, folks who may not be able to watch the game. It's a great way for them to feel like they're part of the action. So it is. It it does wonders for uh, for those that can't be there. Uh, Volleyball players are coming up. Bobby, uh, we definitely want to get your team and seed and district. Yes, and I did put a post out on Texas 1A Fan Facebook. And let me tell you, I asked for um, for people who are going to the playoffs, and I got a few responses. So Bynum is district champs. The TLCA Lady Eagles are back-to-back district champs. Aspermont Lady Hornets are undefeated district champs. Benjamin Lady Stangs are undefeated district champs. The Van Horn Lady Eagles are undefeated back-to-back district champs. The Herald Lady Hornets are undefeated district champs. Also undefeated district champs are the Evant Lady Elks and district champs Rady, uh, district champs Rankin Lady Devils. So, Several people posted their picture out there. Uh, It's still out there. If you want to add yours, we are going to be doing the volleyball playoff sheet. Actually, I've already started it. Does that surprise you, Craig? No, it does not. It's a spreadsheet. (laughs) We started it. It it is a spreadsheet. I can't help it. But volleyball playoffs, they're coming hard and fast. Um, Also coming, obviously. I saw lots of posts where... Teams were sending their cross-country teams off to regionals, which happens for regions one, three, and four tomorrow. And then region two will run on Tuesday. We do have a postseason poll from the Cross-Country Coaches Association of Texas. Would you like to do the girls? I, I will take the girls here. Uh, when you look at it, Roby ranked number one, Nazareth number two, Jayton number three. That'll be interesting tomorrow. Nazareth and Jayton going head-to-head, two, three. will be fascinating to see how that one ends up. Number four is McMullen County, five, Spring Lake Earth, also in Region 1. Six, Eula, seven, Grady, eight, Borden County, nine, Throckmorton, and ten, Netches. And I can't wait because I'll be at that uh, Region 1 uh, cross-country meet tomorrow at May Simmons Park. Yes, I wish I was. Um, I have a work thing come up, so I'm not going to be able to make it. So you're going to have to watch for both of us, Craig. But let me know I, what happens, would you? I will. I'll. Uh, I can tell you now. Tatum Goodman will win the girls' side. Yes. Uh, so we, we go ahead and post that, barring something unforeseen. <laughs> we'll I, check out and see boys' side. 
Yeah, you're gonna have to let me know about that. I I mean I'm we're pretty sure on that, right? I would say so. <laughs> She's probably gonna beat everybody by like two minutes, but we'll see. We'll see. You never know. That's why we run the race. But over on the boys' side, the postseason poll, number one, Jayton moved up, followed by number two, Slidell, three, Miller Grove, followed by Fayetteville, Comstock, Zephyr, Saltillo, number eight, Sulphur Bluff, then Textline, and rounding out the top ten is a Goodrich. Well, looking forward to to seeing how all the uh, cross country plays out, and uh, like I say, be uh, be at Mason Simmons Park tomorrow. So, uh, Region One, a very competitive uh, cross country region, both uh, girls and boys. So that will be uh, uh, fun to to follow. Going to be hot tomorrow, so we'll see how that impacts the runners. And uh, you know that that's the fun part about cross country is there's so many factors that go into it: hills, heat, cold, wind, rain. You name it, it can have such an impact on what happens. So it's always fascinating to see that. You're right. And the wind's supposed to blow tomorrow in Lubbock. Imagine that. I know you're all shocked. But... Yeah, that that is a huge surprise. Um, on other news, water is wet. The sky is blue and grass is green for anybody who's just uh, curious how often the uh, wind blows in Lubbock. Yeah, if it's not blowing, something is very wrong. <laughs> oh, if it's not blowing, you're not in Lubbock. <laughs> that, that's true. You're right. You're right. Something bad's going to happen or something. I don't know. That's that's probably pretty negative, but that's the way we feel up here on the Flatlands. As soon as all of the regional times come in, I will be putting those in my nifty little spreadsheet so you can all see who the top times and top teams are for each region and who's going to state. Because remember, from region to state, the top 10 individuals who are not already on a qualifying team go. So that gives more people a chance to go to state. Well, that'll be a lot of fun. Look, looking forward to that. Well, Bobby, let's get out of here. Um, and uh, looking forward to week 11, a lot of really big, sorry, week 10 uh, in the football season, lots of big matchups out there. Uh, so get to a stadium near you. You don't want to miss those lots of district titles up in the air, uh, including the biggest one probably uh, across the state, Borden County and Rankin doing battle there at Red Devil Stadium. So uh, should be some great ball games out there. But until next week, I'm Craig Spear with Happy Sports Network and PressPassSports.com. And I'm Bobby Brown with Texas 1A Fan. Remember, go forward and do good.